0: Okay. Well, all righty. So with two uh, behind us, so the next uh, major event, which is uh, which is on the radar, is Purim. I don't want to scare anybody by talking about what comes after Purim, but for now we'll uh, we'll suffice with the fact that uh, that Purim is coming in a few weeks. Uh, and according to the Bali Mahshava, according to the great uh, thinkers and uh, the philosophers, so Purim is actually the holiest day of the year, uh, more so than perhaps Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, not perhaps, but more so than Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Simchas Torah, Purim is really the highest day of the year. It's the most uh, spiritual uh, day, which in many ways seems counterintuitive because it's a day that we're very much occupied. We're not in Shul that much. I don't know how long your Megillah reading necessarily takes, but it's not the day that we spent all day in Shul like, uh, like on Yom Kippur. Um, and we spend a lot of time eating and, uh, and drinking and indulging in stuff. And uh, there's a lot of uh, laughter and uh, whatnot. We make an effort for that. So it seems to be a little bit uh, unusual that uh, to, uh, to conclude that Purim is the holiest day of the year. But that's what the Bali Mahshava tell us. They tell us that indeed it is the holiest uh, day of the year. And that one has, uh, has access to uh, spiritual channels which otherwise are not really open. Uh, to us the rest of the year. It's very much like Olam Haba. It gives us a little glimpse of Olam Haba, how we're able to take things which are physical, we're able to elevate them into spiritual uh, pursuits. So that is what uh, Purim is is about in very general terms. And there's a a wonderful piece, which I would love to be able to do one day, uh, which is really the foundation of much of Jewish thought uh, related to Purim, related to the mitzvahs of Purim and the uh, the celebration, the understanding of Purim. Uh, but the problem is, is that the, uh, the the sefer which is which it's from, which is the Kedushas Levi, or Levi Yitzhak of So it's about thirty pages of very small print. So on our Tuesday night classes, unless we decide that we're going to spend a whole year going through it, we're probably going to not make much headway to be able to, uh, to prepare in uh, you know, three or four weeks uh, in advance of, of uh, Purim. Uh, so uh, in the absence of doing that, we'll do another one of my favorite uh, pieces. And Purim, and this is one which comes from Rav Huttner. We've done that. We did a, a piece from Rav Huttner before with regards to Hanukkah. So here we're going to do one on Purim. Here, rather than referring to them as mamarim, he refers to them as inyanim. These were things from what they say. I never learned in Chai in Berlin, but from what they say that uh, that Rav Huttner didn't really prepare. And in the midst of the celebration, in the drinking, in all of the stuff which was going on in the yeshiva, the singing and the dancing, so he would come up with ideas. And at a certain point, he would just like, I don't know, he would motion that he was ready to go ahead and speak. And then he would share an inyan. He would share this uh, this idea. Some of them are long, some of them are short. So this first one is where Hunter focuses on what exactly is the evil of Amalek? Why is Amalek as a nation so much worse than all of the other nations? And then the flip side of that is when we're celebrating on Purim, the Vinahafahu and stuff of that sort, our, our, our victory over Haman and, and Amalek. So what exactly are we trying to emphasize with that? And what is the celebration uh, about? Okay. So with that introduction in place, so now we'll pull up the uh, the mimer or the inyan, I should say. Uh, it's on the screen there in front of you. Yes, sir. Okay. So uh, Rav Huttner begins as uh, follows. He begins with a, with a pasuk, which says, and again, uh, if you remember the last time we did stuff from, from Rav Huttner, so part of what we did was we, we read a little bit more inside, just because Rav Huttner's language is very poetic. And we like the way he turns a phrase. There's going to be one particular phrase in here, which is uh, uh, very much characteristic of his poetic style, uh, which also was uh, exciting to see. But here we say, goim Amalek Ade ovad. So this is a pasuk. I think it was said by by Bilam that the first of the nations is Amalek and the end for Amalek, what's going to be the final destination? I guess for Amalek Ade ovad is utter destruction. Now, what does this mean? Seifa So if we work backwards in the pasuk, kachum isparish. So the way we would explain is as follows. Even though this era of the end of days is going to have the characteristic, it's going to be defined as that the nations of the world, the seventy nations of the world, by and large, the the defining characteristic of that era of the uh, of the uh, of the world to come. Uh, is What's going about? to be this idea is going to be this idea that everything is going to be repaired everything is going to be set uh, 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 straight and everything is going to be functional in its ideal manner so Mikol malkum, nonetheless skipping the parentheses amalek shum tikun kufas A will have no repair it will have no places no rectification for a malik at all, they are going to have to be destroyed. In <inaudible> being that in this era, which we call Achri Sayamin, <inaudible> everything is going to be in a state of perfection. Everything is going to be a state in a state of repair. So therefore, if a malik could never be repaired, <inaudible> So it's evident, it has to emerge, <speaking in Hebrew> that the end of days is going to be the time of destruction of Amalek. Amalek will cease to exist at that time. That's what uh, w- would emerge. And he says, this is, now in order to understand this, we have to go back to the beginning of the Pasuk. So the beginning of the Pasuk had that phrase, Reishiz Goyim Amalek. So the fact that Amalek is going to be destroyed in the future era, we'll just call it the time of Mashiach. So that the end of the Pasuk tells us, but what does it have to do at the beginning of the Pasuk, which says that the be- first of the nations was Amalek? What is Amalek having to, first of all, what was Amalek the first for? And what was the fact that they were first as far as anything is concerned? Why does that mean that they're going to have to be destroyed at the end of days? What does one have to do with the, uh, the other? He says, in fact, and the idea is, Deheinu, what we know, <speaking in Hebrew> that there are many nations in the world which oppose Jews, which are, um, uh, which are anti-Semitic, <speaking in Hebrew> and they may go ahead and do battle and fight against us. <speaking in Hebrew> and however, in the opposition of uh, in the, uh, the first one to do battle, first nation to do battle with the Jewish people, after we, after we left Mitzrayim, this past week's Parsha, Amalek So Amalek was the first one to come along and decide that they're going to, uh, to, uh, to fight against the Jewish people. So somehow the fact that Amalek was the first nation to attack the Jewish people, that is going to be the reason why in the future era, when everything is set straight, why Amalek has to cease to exist. Now the question is why? What does one have to do with the other? Some nation had to fight us first, right? If uh, there's gonna be anti-Semitism in this world and we're going to be uh, uh, attacked by all sorts of different nations over the course of our history, so some nation has to be first, what is the fact that a Amalek was first? Why does that become the cause as to why they cannot exist in this future era and they're going to have to be uh, utterly uh, destroyed? To such a degree that we say, skipping a little bit over here, that <laughs> that even though the, all of the rest of the nations of the world are going to be set straight and they will be repaired and they will then endure for with the characteristics, which they will then be able to uh, use productively for this world. But nonetheless, a Malik is going to have no place, no standing whatsoever in this, uh, in, in this future era. And the question is, once again, is why? That ultimately is what we're going to try and answer. But what we need to do is we're going to need to, in the Rafunir style, we need to address a number of different things along the way. And then once we finally get to, get to that point along the way, then we'll be able to put it all together. Okay, so put aside that thought, that question for now. Why Amalek, being that they were first to attack the Jewish people, that is the reason why they cannot exist in the future era. Okay. Now, next thing. Says Rafutner. Parsha's Michias Amalek. Now we go from last week's Parsha to this week's Parsha, so it also works out well in terms of why we're going to start to do this piece this week. We like when things work out for us like that. So he says the Parsha Michias Amalek, this a section in the Torah having to do with the destruction of Amalek, Smuchihi the Parsha's <laughs> Vishma yisro. So that's juxtaposed, that's the end of last week's parsha and the beginning of this week's parsha is the fact that Yisro heard about what happened with the Jewish people in Mitzrayim, and with Amalek, and with all those different things, and that juxtaposition of Amalek fighting with the Jewish people, and then Yisro hearing about that fight, Amra Azecha Chacham, Chazal say about this, Late Take Upesa Yarin, which means that the let's, the scoffer, we're going to translate it as, although throughout much of this thing, we're just going to refer to him as a let's. But you could go ahead and you could strike the let's, smack him across the face, does nothing. Upesi, but the wise person, yarim. so he's going to become more cunning. In other words, he's going to learn something from that. What does that mean? What is that, the meaning of the Pasuk? Let's take. So who is the scoffer that you hit? Ze'amalik. Chazal say that Amalik is characterized as a scoffer. Upesi yarim. And the uh, person who becomes wise, who learns a lesson, Ze Yisro. So Chazal here creating this this dramatic contrast between a Amalek being foolish, and they're not even um, receptive to any sort of uh, rebuke whatsoever. You smack them across the face and they just get more and more belligerent, and they get more and more um, uh, uh, difficult. Whereas Yisro is able to hear something, he's able to absorb it and able to use it in order to be able to grow. In other words, Kolomar, Amalek's downfall, the fact that they lost the battle against the Jewish people, they learned nothing at all, not one lesson from the fact that they lost the battle with the Jewish people. The Eint Oeles Bimapalaso, and the only people who gained from that incident of Amalek attacking the Jewish people and being defeated by the Jewish people were for the observers on the outside. Those who saw, who watched on the closed circuit TV, CCTV, uh, were able to go ahead or on Ring. They had one of those doorbells, but they able to see what was happening. So they were the ones who were able to learn something from that. But Amalek themselves, the low... But Amalek themselves, they learn nothing, nothing that nothing was gained from that. And the V'tam Adavar, and what's the reason why Amalek learned nothing from this? He says, who because Amalek are a bunch of scoffers. So due to this characteristic that they scoff, which we're going to define shortly, but due to this characteristic, of their existence, that they scoff at, uh, at at things. So therefore, even in their own defeat, even in the face of their own defeat, so they don't still don't learn a lesson, and they remain belligerent, and they're going to remain as difficult as ever. Because he says, because that is the nature of somebody who is a let, somebody who is a scoffer, that rebuke does nothing for them. They just laugh it off. So somebody who could laugh off rebuke is not going to hear the rebuke, is not going to absorb the rebuke, and is not going to change as a result of that. Now he says, now although that's true, he says it's harach However, some explanation is needed over here, and that is, heicha nimtza in Yanosham sham where do we find in the behavior of Malik mahalach that they made fun of anything. A scoffer, we would say, is somebody who makes fun. Where do we find that Amalek made fun of everything? They attacked the Jewish people. They're anti-Semitic. They decided that they hate the Jews so much that they're going to attack them, even though the Jews were riding high after leading, leaving Mitzrayim. So they were fools to think that they were going to be able to defeat God when, uh, or God's nation when God was clearly protecting them. So that's a foolish thing, which they did. But where do we find that they're making fun of anything? Or where do we find that they were scoffing at or anything? They would characterize them as a let's. Okay, so that is... Question number two. So we know from Chazal that a is considered to be a bunch of scoffers. That's the defining trait of the uh, of the nation. It's it's inscribed into their spiritual DNA to be scoffers. But what exactly does that mean? Okay. So now we'll le- read one line here, and then we'll jump ahead a little bit. So he says, "Bhilchas <laughs> Shanninu. So he didn't know that there were halachas related to scoffing. But with regards to scoffing, so Chazal tell us, it's a famous idea, I think, kol asira. So Chazal, as a general matter, Chazal were opposed to scoffing. Scoffing is a bad trait. It's not a good way to think. It's not a good way to talk. It's not good to make fun of things. It's just not, it's not, it's not healthy. It doesn't build you up uh, in any way to go ahead and to tear other things down. The one exception to that rule is, Chazal permit us to make fun of Avodazara. And this is something, that's why I refer to him as Yash, Yashke Pondrik or something like that. So throughout the history, when referring to Avodazar and whatnot, they always use names which are Leitzanus type names, names to make fun of and to, uh, to demean and to minimize the importance rather than uh, some sort of name, which is going to convey uh, chashivus, which is going to convey importance. So why is it that we're allowed to go ahead and make fun of Avodazara? If If leitzanus, if making fun of something is bad character, so why in the context of Avodazara does that suddenly become a good thing? If leitzanus is bad, it's bad. You shouldn't do it uh, no matter what. So like, like we would tell our kids, Lashon Hara is bad. Are you allowed to speak lashon har about a non-Jew? Yeah, you may be allowed to speak to, but it's a bad, it's bad character to be speaking bad about other people. So just don't do it. There's no mitzvah to do it per se. So avoid it just because it's not going to build you up. Okay. So what is this idea of being able to make fun of avodah So here, Rav Huttner, the, the uh, in shul, I've mentioned this uh, a number of times. This is one of my uh, favorite uh, thoughts, and I get now I get to see where I get it from. But says uh, Rav Huttner. So he says, if you want to find the key to this, you want to understand what's really going on, you have to explore the words of Rabbeinu Yonah on the Pasuk, and we're just going to take the end of the Pasuk, which says, So that literally translates as, a man according to, according to his praise. We're going to keep it generic, and even though I hate pronouns, we're going to keep it uh, vague like that. A man, according to his praise. Now, what we don't know from the pasuk is who is his, his praise. But who, who, which his are we referring to? So says Rav the Seemingly, what the pasuk means is what the ish nigar often adam if you want to know about this, what we do when we, we call about shinuchim or whatever, or you call about uh, you know a potential business partner or a pe- potential employee, you go ahead and you call, your re- call references. And you say, what can you tell me about so-and-so? And then they go ahead and they describe so-and-so. He's a good person, he's not a good person, very caring, not very caring, responsible, not very responsible. So Pashtas of the Pasuk, the simple understanding of the Pasuk is, if you want to know about the character of a person, ask people who know them, and see how they describe that person. So the way they describe that person, that's going to give you insight into who that person is. That would seem to be the Pashat Pshat, the simple meaning of that Pashat. But he says, bar However, Rabbeinu Yonah, one of the Rishonim, he comes along and says, that's not the Pshat in the Pashat. That may be true on some level, but that's not what, that's not the his that we are referring to. <inaudible> that when the Pasuk says a man, according to his praise, means <inaudible> If you want to know about the character of a person, ask that person to praise somebody else. You know, you guys, are, you from Shul know that I'm big into heroes. And the reason why I'm big into it it does it really doesn't matter to me at all who your hero is. You could do this next time you're networking with people, or next time you're at some cocktail party and you're really bored. But you go around ask people who's your hero, and you don't have to remember who their hero is at all because it doesn't make a difference who their hero is. But when they give you a name of who their hero is, then you ask the follow-up question: Why is that person your hero? What is it about that person that you look up to? Because that says something about that person, not who their hero is, but if they say that person is great because they're so caring, that person is great because they're so smart, that person is great because they're a huge Tamil chacham, that person is great because they're wealthy, whatever they say why they consider that person great, that tells you about their character, because everybody's very complex, every person has many different traits and many characteristics and many things about them. In the things which you focus your attention on, if I'll put it from from the, that perspective, what you when you look at other people, what you focus your attention on, that that is something which is a value to you. That's something which is important to you, whether for good or whether for bad. It doesn't really make a difference. But whatever characteristics you see in other people, and whatever you praise about other people, that person's awesome. What makes them awesome? And they'll give you a description of two or three character traits, why that person is awesome. That's revealing, not about the person they're talking about, that's revealing about you, the one who's talking. Because that shows that that's what's important to you. And he says, And Rabbi Yon explains, If you have a person who praises, Somebody says, My heroes, are tzadikim. I love tzadikim, I love tamid chachamim. I love gedolim, and I love those people who are great people. Because because they, they, you don't have to explain much more than but I love tzadikim where they tell stories about them, about how creative they are in helping other people. So that tells you the person who's talking, who says I love tzadikim, ki ishtovu. So you know that at the core, the person who's talking says I love tzadikim, that person at his core is a good person. And that person, the root of that person, not necessarily the behavior, as he's going to explain in a moment, but that person at their core is a good person with good values. So that is, and such a person who praises Tzadikim, even if it happens to be that that person sins, and who of us doesn't sin, I don't need a show of hands. But uh, even amongst those of us who sin, nonetheless, we're still going to say that at their core, they're really a good person. Because when they talk about other people, what they see in other people are the good things about them, the righteous acts which they do, and the positive things which they do, that reveals what's a value to them. But such a person, even if he sins, he's somebody who loves righteousness, and that's something which is important to him. That's what it means, what you praise about other people, what you find to be valuable and, and, and a, a, a trait which you should extol and you would elaborate on and that you would you were fond of and you're jealous of, that says something about you. But on the other hand, if somebody goes out and praises bad behavior, or they talk nicely about somebody who's a Russia, so that tells you, who? A so, such a person is going to be a Russia, even if they happen to be doing good things right now. But if they admire, let's use that term, if what you admire about other people tells us about you. So, if you find somebody who admires bad things, they like Whatever it happens to, to be that they admire about, uh, you know, somebody does, who doesn't care about, uh, you know, is anti-society or somebody who doesn't care about great people talks back to people has a lot of chutzpah, or whatever. So even if you have such a person who is a, who who may be learning and doing mitzvahs, as he's going to say, nonetheless, if at their core they praise people who are bad, so that tells us that their core is also their their root is also is also bad. And now he says. Uh, put, putting it in a different way. He says, Let's say we wanted to develop a test about the nature of a person. So you want to know, you want to find out about the nature of any particular person. The one question which you would need to ask is When it comes to submission, but not submission in in a bad way, but in terms of admiration. I'm going to translate it as admiration. So if you want to know about the core, the essence of a person, look, figure out what they admire. When you can figure out what a person admires, so then you know what is a value to them, and that's where their mind is going to be focused. The tznu'as adam, because the, the ability to admire something Novas That's because it represents a value, something which you find to be important that they are that they are that they are doing, or that they uh, a value which they uh, which they represent. So if you find something to be hashiv, if you find something to be important, so then you're going to admire that importance and admiration. So go, those go hand in hand. Because if you find some idea to be of value, so So you are going to find yourself admiring that exact same idea. So if somebody, if you if somebody likes who are creative. Their ability to connect different uh, uh, ideas, which seemingly are unconnected. So if that's something which you talk about, and that's something which you admire, so that tells us that that's, where, that's what's something which is important to you. Other people may be more impressed, and they may uh, more, may talk about more, uh, who are able to quote sources off of the top of their head. So that's what they admire, and that's something which is a value to them. So the, what you admire and what you uh, is what you value, that's what you find to be, and that tells us about your uh, about your nature. And the main question which we need to ask in order to determine uh, the nature of a person is What does this person find to be important? What does this person? Um admire in others, and that's going to tell you a ton about the value system of that the, of that person and that's going to be one of the most important things and now Rafuna that's really so far he's been explaining uh Rabbeinu Yonah, Rabbeinu Yonah's perspective on the on this, but now Rafutner takes it to a higher a higher level, and this is something which i find uh, you know uh, I find inspiring he says. Let's say a person, when he talks about other people, one of the things which he admires about other people is their dedication to Torah. Their dedication to Torah study, their dedication to Torah knowledge, acquiring Torah knowledge, whatever it happens to be. But a person's focus, he admires uh, people who study Torah and who know Torah. So you don't have to be a Tamal Chacham. You may not be a tamid chacham, but being that you admire and you consider tamid chachamim to be important, that tells us that you've been drawn closer, that Torah is a value of yours. We don't measure your connection to Torah by how much Torah a person possesses. We measure a person's connection to Torah by how much they value it and how much they admire it. So if they spend time admiring Tamid chachamim and talking about Tamid chachamim, So then that tells us how close they are to Torah, and it has nothing at all to do with how much knowledge of Torah that person actually has. So that tells us about their relationship to Torah. Har it's amazing he says this, he says, Har much more than a person who spends time learning but doesn't admire Tamid chachamim. You could have a person who spends a lot of time learning, who may know a lot of Torah, but if you ask him who he admires, he's not going to mention Tamir Chachamim. So he's a huge Tamir Chachamim himself, because he possesses a lot of knowledge, but he's not connected to Torah at the essence of his being, because those are not the people he admires. Those are not the people that he values, and those are not the people he talks about. And now he gives us an example. He says, "Um umotsui hadavar. I'm sure that everybody here has, uh, you know, seen this type of thing. He says it's very common. Matsui, he says, common. You have two people who are in the middle of their lives. We'll say that that includes all of us over here. We're all in the middle of our lives. So, so one of them, we'll call Ruvain. Ruvain spent his uh, his college years in his kolo years. He spent a lot of time studying Torah. And the second guy was one of those guys who, uh, you know, in the middle of college, took off three years, went wandering off to India somewhere, went wandering off to the Far uh, far East, wherever they went around and they were discovering and they were experimenting and they were doing all sorts of things, which, you know, we wouldn't want uh, our kids to know that, uh, that people do. So one of them was involved in Torah and one of them was involved in, we'll just say, the 60s. <laughs> and now, <laughs> so now, Bar Hashem, they both survived. And now they're both in their mid-50s, let's say. Because we're on Purim, so now he goes out and uses a Purim phrase. And now we find the opposite is actually taking place. So the fellow who spent his youth learning Torah... He now regrets not having not having enough life experiences when he was younger. So he regrets the Torah which he studied, the time that he spent studying Torah, rather than engaging in whatever the other activities might uh, could potentially be. Vasheni, and the guy who went off to the far east and spent, uh, you know, three years in ashrams and, uh, you know, with uh, Buddhists, you know, and fasting and all sorts of cr- crunchy granola types of activities. So mischaret al shelo he's azay b'nurav So he regrets not having spent those formative years of uh, of uh, of his uh, you know uh, late teenage years in his young twenties studying more Torah. So one guy spent ten years studying Torah. The other guy was ten years wandering around the world searching for things, and now. At the age of 50, the one who was uh, was searching in his younger years, he's now studying Torah, admires Tamed HaChachamin. The one who did study is not studying Torah, and uh, is uh, does not admire now, on a If you were to give either one of them a test, or both of them, a test in terms of Torah knowledge, the guy who studied Torah when he was younger is going to get 100% on every test, and the guy who did not study Torah when he was younger, he will probably end up with a 20 or a 30 or a 40. Does not know much, uh, does not know much Torah. But says Rav what the measure over here isn't how much Torah a person knows. Haray Hashedi the the second fella, the one who went off to the Far East, but presently in his mid-50s or his mid-40s, now values Torah and studies Torah, he's much closer to Torah than the guy who spent his youth studying Torah. Ava P and this is what's so dramatic about it, he says, Avopi she'arishom balki b'shas, even though the first guy is an expert in shas, he shas ten times, so you could ask him, you could quote the passage from somewhere in shas, and he'll be able to tell you exactly where it is. V'hasheni eniodeh And the second guy still thinks that Masecha Shavuos is about the Yantif of Shavuos and doesn't know that it's related to oaths at all. So he knows nothing. He doesn't even know about the names of the, of, of, of the Mesechtas. So one guy knows almost nothing. The other guy knows a ton. And which one is closer to, to Torah? It says Ravutner, that according to Rabbi Yonah, the way we're going to be able to measure the litmus test in terms of a person's connection to Torah using this specific example is not how much Torah they know, do they admire Torah? Do they admire Torah? Do they admire Tamid HaChachamim? Is this something which is a value for them, or is this something which is not? So the second person who doesn't know much, he is much closer to Torah, because that's what he focuses his attention on, that's what he admires, and that's what he praises. The first guy who knows a ton of Torah does not admire Tamid HaChachamim, doesn't talk about the value of studying Torah, and therefore... He is, the, he is disconnected from Torah, despite the immense amount of Torah knowledge which he possesses. And now he says again, and this is a, this is the, the take home for this part of the uh, of of this piece. He says, Dehilulo Adam, because what you praise, Adam, that demonstrates what you consider to be important." So again, so if you want to know about a person, if you want to know a person's values, so you don't ask other people about them and hear how other people talk about them, what you do is you ask that person who is their hero. And then when they give you a name of their hero, you ask the question, why is that person your hero? What is it about that person that you admire and that you look up to so much? And that is going to become a mirror. That's where they open the gate and they allow you in to find out. that They won't know what you refer- what information you're trying to gather over here, but that's a way to gain insight into the values of the person that you're speaking to. Find out who their hero is and why that person is uh, is their hero. So, this is uh, what this phrase of Ish Kafi Mahalo, or Ish Lafi Mahalo. Is it Lafi or Kafi? Lafee. I think I always say Kafi. But Ish Lafi Mahalo. Okay. Now he says, that, um, Right. So, now this is when we want to talk about, when we want to get a sense of what a person's values are and what a person admires. So as we said, we're going to ask them who your hero is and we, we uh, define those traits. What are those traits which uh, uh, cause you or lead you to admire that person? But he says, that we should know, the capacity that we have to admire and hold certain values as important to us he So there is, as with all things, there is an opposite trait. So on the one hand, in the positive sense, we have the trait where we talk about what you praise is something which you hold uh, dear, something that you hold to be valuable, and something which you admire. But then there's an opposite trait, and that is, yeshba benafshal charifa There's also the tendency that people have, and Rav describes it as a strong tendency, to go ahead and a uh, zilzul, that is to undercut, to disparage, to make fun of, to undermine the importance of things, to be dismissive of things, let's say like that. That's zilzul. L'umas koach hakaras hachashivus, that on the opposite end of the spectrum, from what we admire, there's also the idea that there's the anti-authority in us or the anti-society in us that I don't want to hold other values. I don't want to hold something as being chashuv because if something is chashuv, something is important, so that means I, in a sense, have to submit to it or I have to lower myself to that value and I don't want to be controlled by anything else. So if I feel that something is trying to control me, The way that I could counter that in my head is I could just make fun of it. And if I make fun of it, so why would I go ahead and submit myself? Why would I allow this thing, which is so foolish and so silly and so whatever it is, why would I allow that to go ahead and dictate how I should behave or what I should do? Because this something is it's silly and we don't submit to something which is silly. We don't assign importance to things which are silly. Bizilusa that's a phrase which Chazal used with regards to a slave, that they prefer a life of without any restrictions and without values and without morals whatsoever. And if you want to know, if you want to know the name of this tendency that people have, some people have it stronger, some people have it the less, but the tendency that people have to disparage and undermine and make fun of and to, uh, to disregard, Hammit which sometimes expresses itself very strongly. to undermine and to not have to be subjected to something which is khashiv, and therefore I have to listen to, I have to subject myself to. We call that late I've imagined everybody here has heard that term late leitzanas. leitzanas is, as we said, that's to scoff, to make fun, to disparage, to undermine, to consider to be a, to be silly. And to make fun of things. So he says, If you want to go ahead and we want to define and we want to put parameters around, around this trait, which we call Latzanas. So what exactly is that? When you find it at the root of your uh, of a person's soul, in Yahu, the idea is What you're looking for is a weakness in anything which is important. Any system which is important, any person which is important, any law which is important, anything which is important. And rather than looking to admire that idea, that concept, that person, that whatever it is, a let's is always going to look for the weakness in that. And they're going to try and exploit the weakness because by exploiting the weakness, the hope is list es in order to dismantle to destroy the entire structure, so as if you could put one one well placed piece of dynamite is able to take this entire building and cause it to collapse upon itself so that's what Latonus could do. You could have a person who is uh, who is saying something which is very important, you could have somebody who is saying something which is a, which uh, needs to be heard, and it's something which uh, people may be very attentive to. And one guy in the crowd or one girl in the crowd goes ahead and makes a joke. They make fun of the speaker or something. And then as soon as everybody starts laughing, all the entire important message, which was being conveyed, suddenly it's all lost. One joke is enough to undermine. You could have a 45-minute Russia, which has been Givaldic and it was inspiring and people were motivated and people were committed to change and all sorts of good things were going on. And then one guy in the back of the room goes out and one, makes one late remark, and suddenly the whole Drosha is now lost. You've lost, because everybody's lost Hashivas for that. Everybody, you just have to make fun of that person the way they talk, the way they look, the way they something. And as soon as that one expression of late comes out, the whole structure, the whole thing which had been going on, which was so valuable and so important, suddenly it's all lost. Mitochash appeared to Zoo by exploiting that particular breach. And this is the way, this is the nature, we know in all areas of Avodah of Hashem, this is the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world, that whenever there's something which is positive on one end of the spectrum, there's going to be a force which is negative on the other end of the spectrum, and the um, the the pendulum is going to swing perfectly to both sides. As far as it could go on the positive side, it could go just as far uh, uh, on the negative side. So as important as it is, as it is to have admiration and to assign hashivas to assign importance to things which are valuable in things which should be extolled in important values and morals. So on the other end of that, Leitzanas could break all of that down in an instant. That's the power of Leitzanas. He says, Shifaso, now he says, this is a one of the, uh, the lines, he says, now we contrast them. He says, the yearning, the desire of those who seek to praise, the reason why you praise your heroes, and the reason why you praise particular values and morals and stuff like that, the reason you do that is because you're trying to increase the importance of that in the world. If you like something a lot and you're telling everybody about it, you say, oh, there's this great Dafyomi you share, you should really listen to it or there's a great whatever is going on and you should, uh, you should participate. So what you're trying to say is I find something chashev in the world. I find something important in the world and I would like to spread the message of importance. And therefore, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to share it with others because that's a way of increasing the level of importance which would be there. But on the other hand, Lumasso, the opposite end, uh, end of that spectrum is, so what's the goal of the let's? What's the goal of the scoffer, the one who makes fun? He That is to increase the opposite of importance, that's to increase lack of importance. That's to increase the uh, disparaging, that's to increase um, uh, a, 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 a sense of uh, unimportance in the world, so, so a sense of things which are uh, mundane. And therefore, he says that the, the idea of ish mahalo, so that, that pasuk in Mishlei, according to Rabbi Yonah, when we say ish mahalo, that a person is defined by who he praises, he now being the person who's praising. So there's actually two parts to that question. And this is a, with, with, with the rest of the paragraph we're not going to read. But he says that there's two parts to this question, and they are number one. Is the person a mahalal or is this person a lets? Is this a person who's trying to increase important things in this world? Or is this a person who's trying to dismantle and demolish things which are important in this world? And they're trying to decrease the number of things which are chashev in this world. And then, in the event that the person finds value in things, is the thing that he finds value in something which we also want to pursue? It's Torah, it's mitzvahs, it's it's tfilah, it's things of that sort, things which are ruchni, things which are spiritual. Or does a person find chashuv, cars, houses, jets, vacations, things of, of that sort. Because even a person who goes out in admires other things, so they made, the, you know, whoever it is, made a fortune on the lifestyles of the rich and famous. right? How do you make a fortune on the lifestyles of the rich and famous? Because for some people, seeing fancy houses and fancy cars and fancy airplanes and fancy yachts, so that's something which they admire, that's something which they find to be chashu. So they're on the Mahalal side, they're on the praise side in terms of looking things which are chashev, they're just misplaced chashivus. Where they assign importance, what they find to be important is a little bit misplaced, but at least it stems from values which they have. As opposed to the let's, the let's has no values. The entire purpose of the let's is to undermine everything which has value and to demolish it and to Uh, suck out all of the air and to be able to just make it so that it's nothing which is even worth looking at because it's something which uh, which doesn't have any value and doesn't have any importance whatsoever so it's a two-part question does a person praise or does a person disparage and then if they praise what is it that they praise and those are the questions which are going to tell us much about the nature and the character of the person who is talking and as he said that's a good way to gain insight into a person's value system by asking them who their hero is and then regardless of who they say their hero is we're then to ask them what is it about that person that makes them your hero and that is going to be a a a window into that person's soul in terms of what type of person the, they are okay so hold it over here for uh for tonight so, Amir Hashem next week I lost my thing. um hopefully next week we'll meet at the uh at the same time. Plus my recording. We'll meet at the uh, at, at at the same time.